All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 210 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with Botano.ca. I am Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli and this is our Western Conference playoff preview. Uh, if you missed it, or check it out, our Eastern one in episode 209. We go through all the series, all the talk. I had a little uh, Penguins talk as well, even though they're on the playoffs, but had the massive uh, house cleaning uh, right after for the end of the regular season. But uh, today it's all about the uh, the West. And uh, Frank, before we get to the playoffs, uh, very quickly, you had mentioned, you said, hey, don't sleep on Columbus making a coaching change. And and they did. Uh, Larson is out in Columbus. I think they Columbus would probably rank up there as one of the more disappointing seasons after acquiring Johnny Gaudreau. And they signed yeah, After spending in. 80 million bucks. Yeah. Like they were expecting to, to be a lot better. It, it didn't pan out. And, and I still say this. If you're looking just purely from an on-ice opportunity to have the best early success, Bedard in Columbus with Goudreau and Line is his best chance. Not the best long-term, but I think the best early one. And obviously that market wants it. So does Anaheim. So does San Jose. So does Chicago. They're all uh, you know looking for it for sure. But quickly, yeah. give me your thoughts on, um, on Columbus. I know this is the West, but we didn't get to that last time. Yeah, I would say um, not really surprising. Uh, someone had to pay the price, I think, for a really disappointing season. I'm shocked that Yarmo Kekalainen wasn't feeling more of the heat. I've heard some rumblings about some other front office changes there, other staff. I don't know how accurate that is, but I think they're looking at a bunch of different things. 
um, because you can't just blame this season on the injuries. You know, missing Zach Orwenski, one thing. Jake Voracek goes down, another. But that that team was no good from Jump Street. So I, you know, they never even had a chance. So that that went so far off the rails that how do you then get it back? And they did ask a lot of some young pieces, but uh, there's a lot of work to be done there. And and just wanted to mention too, if if anyone's looking for another pod. Um, I had Regina Pat's head coach and GM, John Paddock, on Frankly Speaking this week. We did 25 minutes just on what it's been like coaching and managing Connor Bedard over these last three seasons. And some fantastic insight from John Paddock, who's a hockey lifer, spent uh, you know forever in the game as NHL head coach, NHL GM, uh, has been in a ton of different situations, had Timo Solani uh, on the bench his rookie year when he scored 76 goals. He's seen and done everything, played the NHL against Wayne Gretzky, coached against Gretzky and Lemieux. He's seen all the generational talents up close and personal. And the stuff that he said about Connor Bedard, it's just like, like he's, he's that good. Well, hey, the Anaheim Ducks and their fans, man, uh, they're hoping to get him. They make the coaching change. Uh, that was probably the least surprising one. It's four tough years in Anaheim uh, for them. Dallas Aikens uh, not uh, not coming back. That, that's not a surprise. Pat Verbeek, you know, gave him a year. He wanted to see, you know, evaluate the landscape. And um, now the what coach, that, I, don't think had a do? I don't think the coach had a ton to work with there. I think that's fair. They didn't have a, a boatload of talent at all, but they also didn't. You know, there, there wasn't any improvement anywhere across the board. And if anything, they might have went backwards. I, I just think it's a, f- a factor of the roster that they were given. I mean, how much – when you continue to uh, erode the talent level on the team and you are basically dressing two, like, bona fide NHL defensemen all season long, like, how much success can you possibly have? How much – you know, if, if they can't get the puck out of their own end to get it to the forwards, how much progression are you going to get from your forwards? I mean, I just – I look at that team and I say the fact that, you know, they finished where they did is is actually kind of amazing given the roster they had because it was awful. Yeah, wow. Uh, them, Chicago, San Jose, those fan bases, man, they're just – they're going to be – By the way, uh, I, I said finish where they did. Like, isn't that the ultimate success? <laughs> Dallas Aikens, like the team, they, they're in 32nd place. Like they clinched the best odds. Like yeah. if you're Pat Verbeek, you're going, thank you. Like this was this was everything I could have ever wanted. Well, Frank, when you when you consider if they win the Bedard sweepstakes, then they'll you know they could sit there and say, yeah, you know, thanks. It uh, it got us to to what we wanted. Right, uh, no question about it, and it, it would be it would be kind of uh, interesting because now he didn't finish the season in 2015, but he started the season as the head coach of the Edmonton Orders in 2015, and they ultimately uh, ended up getting the uh, the Connor McDavid. Oh, lottery. I didn't connect that thought. There you go. So yeah, never uh, could be. Uh, and then Connor and also Connor. got fired. So look, I mean, yeah. hey, whoever whoever's going in next then should send him a case of wine. Oh. Are you kidding me? If you, if, if whichever team, if well, I don't care if it's one of those four teams, and maybe it's someone else, right? Maybe it's somebody in seven, eight, nine. You never know. We've had the, the eight seed has won the lottery twice. Should point that out. Um, you uh, you don't know, but whoever wins the Connor Bedard, that coach is automatically going to look better. And just a reminder for anyone that's been checking the odds: do not read what the NHL is putting out. They listed all 16 teams that missed the playoffs 
as having lottery odds, you can't move up more than 11 spots. So those teams from, you know, 12 to 16, they don't have any, they don't have any odds. Their odds are zero. Well, to win for Bedard, Bedard. but they're all, they could win the lottery and just move up to seventh, right? Okay, who, who cares? Yeah. Well, who, who, we don't even know who's going to go seven. It could be one of ten players. Yeah. Who cares? That's not a lottery win. Yeah, that's a gift. Well, you know who so cares that about that, Frank? The scouting staffs on those teams? No, no, no the Anaheim Ducks. Because that just improves their odds. That's what I'm saying. Go go to go to dailyfaceoff.com. Right at the very top of the page, we have the Bedard watch. And that those are the real odds because the the ducks are listed on NHL.com as having an 18.5% chance. No, no, they have 25.5. So that's it's a big difference and it changes yes. how you view things. So just look at it that way as opposed to whatever the league is putting out. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, you look like like the teams who can get Bedard, Anaheim 25 and a half, Columbus 13 and a half, Chicago 11 and a half, San Jose 9 and a half, Montreal 8 and a half, Arizona 7 and a half, the Flyers 6 and a half, Washington 6%, Detroit 5%, the Blues 3.5%, and the Vancouver Canucks have a 3% chance to get Bedard. Now, those teams after from 12 to 16, as Frank pointed out, they can move up. And, of course, if you're 12, you could technically get number two, but you can't get number one. So, yeah, I just I was thinking, like, how amazing would it be if the Blackhawks end up winning Bedard? You, you, end, you basically end the seasons of the Calgary Flames and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you come in by way of doing this honestly – and then you would get it. Like, I just think when you when you look at some of the moves that were made, and, and not all of them were obvious, but like the Anaheim Ducks for one game started a guy that was their third string AHL goalie. Like, I think all these things kind of. I don't know if they catch up to you or not, but I do believe in hockey karma, and I just. I don't know. I'm not suggesting anyone did anything improper. All I'm saying is some teams came by way of it more honestly than others. I think the Flyers, that team played their ass off all season long. San Jose. San Jose, look at them down the stretch. They yeah. like they weren't a very good team, but they, they took teams to overtime. They won some games in overtime. They beat Boston, for goodness sakes, this year. Yeah, just hockey karma. I'm a believer. Well, then some people will say Chicago shouldn't get it because I they're the one team I find people because of the, the Kyle Beach situation, which nobody currently in that organization or coaching staff was around for. But there's still a lot of people that say, guess what? You don't starting know. next season. There won't even be a player around from it. Jonathan Taves, of course, his send off the Blackhawks announcing last week that they're not resigning him. That's the last player left from that era. Yeah. So what do we'll you make see. of him continuing his career, by the way? Well, all is going to come down to his health, right? Long COVID's no joke, right? And by the way, he got COVID before there was a vaccine, so don't give us any conspiracy junkie trying to claim that it was the vaccine. He got it before, and long COVID is no joke, and it's been a real challenge for him. And I honestly, Frank, I don't know if he can get, like, he came back, he finished playing, so that was good, but we saw him, he played, and then he needed to take a break because of his immune system just so worn down. So and it wasn't a break, again? it was like he went – like 10 weeks or whatever yeah. it was without yeah, playing two and a half months. He went from before the all-star break to like the last week of the season. Yeah. 
that's that's a really long time for a guy that missed an entire season the year before that it's just like I don't know like not to say teams won't be interested because of course they will but it's a, there's going to be some risk profile there well, and, and the other thing, it's going to come down to Jonathan Taves. And so do you want to play because you want to go out on your terms, right? Like he's won lots. He doesn't need to win anymore, but he also hasn't been like, they haven't had much success here since 2016, other than the, the, the one round, the playoff bubble, right? Other than that, they really haven't any success. So does he look and say, you know what? I want to end the game with some happiness. I want to feel good about myself. And it, like, I could see him signing like a Bergeron type of contract for a team, one and a half million bucks or two, something like that. And so does, does he want to go through all the training to do it? I, I don't know the answer to it. I don't know Jonathan well enough to make even a guess. It just feels like a nice bow on his career. It's just like, end it as a hawk. Yeah. Don't, don't pull the Marty St. Louis, or not Marty St. Louis, the Marty Brodeur, and go play for the St. Louis Blues for 11 games. And it's just a, such a weird fit. Um, speaking of, uh, you mentioned Bergeron and his contract. Uh sneaky kind of earning year for him. He ended up making $5 million this year. Because with, of bonuses? Yep. And how about the the week of Evan Bouchard? The yeah. goal in that final game gets him 425 cake and just absolutely bends over the Oilers for next season with an $850,000 performance bonus for an overage. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? But they knew it, right? And that was – he was really good down the stretch with uh, with points for sure. But and it's just – no, he was. But I'm saying, like, the fact that it comes down to one goal in the final game, like, come on. <laughs> that's bananas. Yeah. Absolutely bananas. Yeah. So, now let's get to the playoff matchups in the Western Conference. I just want one quick thing. Please, NHL – if it's four and four, there should be no crossovers. Seattle should be playing Vegas. Colorado should be playing Winnipeg. It makes no sense. You have more divisional games for this exact reason, and now you have a crossover. Oh it's God. Fix it. You couldn't Thank help you yourself. Much. You had to say it. Yeah. Well, you know what, Frank? Got to keep talking. I'm, I, I would stand. I would get a sandwich board and just walk up and down New York outside the building to make it happen because it's foolish. And I locked. I talked to a lot of GMs, Frank, and unless most of them are like, "Yeah, it doesn't make sense." I get See, why. I disagree it. with you in this one. Like. These two teams are five points apart. And I know you say, okay, five points. What's the big deal? Like Seattle should get to play the team because that's, you know, quote unquote, less, less good because they finished five points ahead. Like there should be a a win for Seattle in this. And then it's like, oh, well, we're just going to spit you back into the uh, bracket of the, the, the overall conference winner, number one seed, just because you happen to geographically be in line with them. Well, no, no, but look at the schedule and who they play more, right? That's a reason why the Winnipeg Jets had 31 wins versus the West. Seattle had 27, right? Seattle played a little, a slightly easier schedule because of their division and the, which is fine. I like division matchups, but so you schedule your regular season with more games weighted in your division, which makes sense. Then come playoff time, you should keep that weight. Because if Winnipeg was in Seattle's division, they'd probably get two or three more points, and Seattle might get two or three less. So that's my only argument for it. I don't think it makes sense. Hmm. All right. Now let's get to that series. Vegas, Winnipeg. You have uh, Connor Hellebuck uh, going up against his uh, former teammate in uh, 
uh, Lauren Brassois as the uh, goaltender of Vegas. And I'll give Vegas credit, man. I thought they were going to fall apart here down the stretch. The Edmonton Oilers had 29 out of a possible 30 points down the stretch, and Vegas held them off because Vegas also was a really good team since March 1st. But the, the Jets have Hellebuck. Who do you like in the series? I like the Golden Knights. I think... I've sort of counted that team out at varying points, whether it was the start of the year, whether it was, you know, after the injuries that they had, it seems like they're going to get Mark Stone back at a certain point. Since the deadline, they were the fourth best or third best team in the league. I'm not sleeping on the Golden Knights anymore. It was Oilers, Bruins, Golden Knights, then Avs in terms of points percentage since March 1st. I've got the Golden Knights winning in six. Frank, we agree, just like last time on the one versus eight matchup. Uh, I have uh, the Vegas Golden Knights for a lot of the same reasons as you. I like the Golden Knights blue line better than Winnipeg. Lauren Brassois has been actually really good this year. He hasn't played a lot due to injuries, but when he's played in Vegas, man, that guy has been outstanding. Um, He's not Connor Hellebuck good, but he's not going to have to be Connor Hellebuck good in this series. Um, I think the Jets can push him. Uh, I think uh, I'm with you. I also have this going six games. Um, Hellebuck is the wild card. He can, you know, he could win a series. He can win two or three games. He played, what, 13 straight down the stretch for the Jets to get in. They've relied on him. I think he loves that challenge. I think he rose to the occasion for Winnipeg. But Vegas is just deeper. Uh, Top to bottom, they're deeper. And here, I think Jack Eichel is going to make a little bit of a stay. I think we're going to see a little Jack Eichel uh, magic at some point in this series. Uh, we've been waiting a long time for it, Frank. I think it comes to fruition this year. It's the worst take you've had in these two pods previewing the playoffs. I just Why? think Jack Eichel is one of the worst value players in the NHL relative to contract. Every, like... <sighs> I, I'm sorry. Like he, he's an underwhelming player. He is. I don't just six points in 67 games this year. I'm sorry. Like since coming to Vegas for what they traded for him and for um, his contract, like I'm making 10 million bucks a year. Like you got to be an absolute stud. And Jack Eichel, he's not that. I agree. I totally agree with everything you just said. Why feel, then is he going to bust out in these playoffs? Because because I think Jack Eichel has, he's has never been, gotten there. Has been underachieving at times uh, in his career. I, I think he he is is someone now. Injuries did play a part. I want to make that abundantly clear. He was starting to really produce, and then he had the neck injuries. Right, like he had been an eighty-two point player. Then he was seventy-eight and sixty-eight, and then all of a sudden he got banged up, and then the neck issues, and and that I think has taken him some time. I just it's his first time in the playoffs. I think he's waited eight years for it. I think Jack Eichel is going to score two big goals in this series for Vegas. I'm not saying he's going to go Connor McDavid and be two points a game or anything like that, but I just think he makes an appearance at key times in this series for Vegas. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the thing about Vegas. If not him, then who? And that's one thing that I have big question marks about their team and their sort of longevity on a playoff run. But I just think the Jets are a really average team. Fair. Now let's move on to the Oilers. Actually, no, we'll go Colorado taking on Seattle. Uh, the Avalanche, uh, despite injuries down the stretch, uh, they, they gain huge ground on Dallas and Minnesota. They end up finishing first. I think they get the best first-round possible matchup for them in Seattle. God loves Seattle. 
giving you everything. It's been a great second season for Kraken fans. But I look at the high-end depth. The, the, the top four forwards in Seattle, 98 goals. Colorado's top two scorers have more goals than those two combined. You look at, or just, sorry, just uh, under, um, but they have like 100 and I think it's 50 goals compared to the, to the two of them. I just, this is a, a high-octane Colorado team despite the injuries. Kale McCarr, Jared Bednar said he expects him to play in the playoffs. And uh, the goaltending, George, you have to give a big advantage to Colorado. I'm taking the abs in five. I think the abs sweep. I just, I think the Kraken, again, as you said, great story. Nice to be here. Super excited to see what playoff hockey in Seattle looks like um, and the feel of it. To get a taste of that for the first time, I think is enormous for the franchise. I just don't think they're even in the same area code as as the uh, Colorado avalanche. And I think so much of a deep, deep run for Colorado, I think is all going to hinge on McCarr and his health. But right now, if he's in the lineup game, one is in his 80%. I, the Kraken don't have the goaltending. The Kraken don't have the defense. And I think the Kraken had a great year that I'm not sure they can repeat again. I would agree with a lot of what you said. I think their fans, though, that's their first playoff experience. Game three, awesome. man, the atmosphere, it's going to be awesome. And I think that's the game they win in this series. I think they okay. find a way to win one at home. And uh, and Colorado's still, you know, pretty controlling uh, victory for this one. Seattle's had an unbelievable season. Uh, they've got great scoring depth, especially five-on-five. Five. That's the one thing you can't overlook. I think they're the highest-scoring team five-on-five five in the NHL this year. And so, you know, and McCann's got 40 goals. You talk about Verhege in, in the last pod scoring 42. What about McCann? That might be the quietest 40 goal season for sure. Yeah, but like, again, I just said that's a team that I'd be very surprised if they repeat their success next season. 19% he shot. No. Like his best season prior to that, well, first off, his eight year career, 506 games, his career shooting percentage is 12.1. The best year prior to that was 15.1, but it was only in a half of a season. Like, he's never really been even close to that number. Yeah, but you know what? He's. I'll say this about McCann, man. Like, there's there's been continual progression in his game. I right? get, like, I get what I'm you're saying, all, but he, he's in a normal year. He's a 25 to 30 goal scorer. Yeah, well, he, hey, he had 27 last year. That's right, the progressions he's made. Yeah, Look at like the it, years prior to that. Like he, this no one saw this coming, and I'm not again. I'm not knocking him. I think that's this entire Seattle team. Yeah. Massive well, shooting percentages. I will say the one thing about McCann though that's different. He was in Pittsburgh, where he's not getting any of the offensive opportunities behind Malkin and Crosby that he's getting here. So now he's been giving more opportunities, and look at him in the two seasons in Seattle. He's got 67 goals. Right, that's more goals than he had. I, I think it's uh, one more goal than he had in the other in all the years in Pittsburgh and in Florida, right? Where you're starting out in the league. He's established himself. I agree. Do I expect him to be 40 goal guy again? No, but offense is up in the league this year, so that's a factor. But also, would I be surprised after he scored 27 last year and 40 that he's a 30 to 35 goal man again? I wouldn't. Like I think yeah, it's but pretty 30 to player. 35 is a way different thing than hitting 40 again. And let's go through the rest of their roster. Daniel Sprung. I don't think he's Scores 20 again. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen, he came over off of waivers. 
He scored 16 out of the clear blue sky. Is Ryan Donato going to score 14 again? Like, I, I just, I don't see a lot of this production being duplicated. Vince Dunn, by the way, not saying he can't do this. Vince Dunn had, you know, one of the best seasons of any defenseman that no one talked about. Oh, yeah. 64 points, man. It's not even just the offense. Like, he's so good. He had Mm -hmm. a really good defensive season and played 24 minutes a night. That guy was their MVP, and it wasn't close. Oh, Vince Dunn was great. Yeah. And I, like, I just think Seattle's had so many guys. Adam Larson had a good year. Matty Beneers is a rookie, had a really solid season. That's why I give them a chance to win one game, but not this. I just don't like, look at their two goalies again. Oh, that's 890 save percentage. And do you really think, even as cool as it's going to be going into Seattle, that the, the abs winning the cup last year in some hostile environments are going to be phased by that? No. I don't. No, no. No, not phased, but maybe just kind of like they take their, you know, they. Yeah, whatever. I get game. what you're saying. I, I like, yeah. well, could they win one game? Could they win two? Yes. But I, I would be absolutely floored if the Kraken win that series. Oh, God. Yeah. Totally agree. Now we go to the uh, 2 3 matchup in the Pacific. They met last year, went seven games. The Orders defeated LA four games to three before losing to Colorado in the Western Conference final. Uh, the big story here, Frank, is injuries. Kevin Fiala did not skate on Saturday with the Kings and uh, isn't expected to play. Uh, Gabe Velarde did skate on his own, but didn't practice with the team, which to me, I don't expect him in game one either. So those two, that's two of their top five goal scorers. Fiala was their second leading scorer. In fact, he was their leading scorer until he got injured. He's only played three games since March 9th. Um, and, and the weird thing about Fiala is he was a last-minute announcement on uh, April 3rd, I think it was, whatever day it was. He wasn't playing against the orders, hasn't played since. Um, he didn't even practice with the team. That's a huge blow when you're going up against the, the best offensive team in the NHL, uh, Oilers Kings. How do you see this series? I see the Oilers winning in, I want to say five. I agree. That's exactly my pick. I, I, Edmonton, well, Edmonton's obviously been the best team in the NHL since March 1st. They're 14-0-1. But it's if you actually look at, you look at their underlying numbers, they're second with Boston since January 1st. They've been the best team in the West. Um They've uh, the they're scoring a goal more per game than Boston since March first. Yeah, like uh, they're getting tons of, and it, obviously you've got McDavid and Drysaddle. That's huge, right? Like Leon Drysaddle had a season of 128 points, which is the tied with Kucherov, but he technically has more because he has the goals. So that's the most points in the 2000s, except for what McDavid did this year at 153. Like most years, Leon Dreisaitl, because when Thornton did it at 127, he won the heart. When Kucherov did it, he won the heart. Well, obviously McDavid's going to win the heart, but Dreisaitl's been unreal uh, in Edmonton this year. But then you throw in Nugent Hopkins and you throw in Zach Hyman. Um, Evander Kane obviously had some scary injury. He's back. Every one of the order's top uh, bottom six forwards has at least double digits in goals. Uh, this team has more depth than they've ever had. Ekholm is coming on the blue line. Vincent DeHarnay is like six foot seven, and he's just—he's he, not flashy, Frank. But for a team that always had too much lacking in size on the back end, the Orders' blue line now is one of the biggest in the league, and that makes a big difference to them. I, I think I know this series was close last year. 
I don't think it's close this year because the Kings don't have the offense to match. And now that Edmonton's figured out how to play defense, they beat LA at their own game twice yeah, in the final 10 days. Exactly. That's, that's what really swayed me. Cause, and the Kings also limped in like, yeah. I don't know if it was all injuries or what Remember, for a while, they were on an absolute heater, like a 10 or 13 game run. And yeah. so even with that mixed in after the deadline, and that was when like Corpus Allo was playing really well. I do think the Kings have the advantage in net with how well Corpus Allo has played. Um, and they, they, you know, they've generally been pretty good defensively uh, with Gavrikov. Their actual, their, their goals against is second uh, only to um, the Boston Bruins since March 1st. So they've been really, really good defensively. Um, and I, I really was liking what I was seeing from the Kings for a good chunk of this season. Uh, and they have the sixth best record overall since March 1st. But there's there's something about this Oilers team to me. Like, I just – I don't see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl allowing that team to lose in the first round. No. And that's no. really what's going to be driving a lot of my decision-making over this stretch. They've got the two best players on the planet. Yeah. It's interesting when you look at the goaltending since March 1st, uh, you look at Corpus Allo's numbers. He has a 921 save percentage. Stuart Skinner has a 920. The goals against is 2.21 for Corpus Allo, 2.41 for Skinner. It's quite close now. He's a rookie. But Corpus Allo did have the one year with uh, with Columbus, you know, a little bit of success. But Stuart Skinner has been pretty good. Even Jack Campbell since March 1st is 4-0 with like a 930 save percentage. He's their backup, and I'm not sure he'll play unless Skinner uh, gets injured or there's a blowout and they're going to pull him for a game. But Stuart Skinner's has quietly, I found, you know, he had that stretch where he went away to be a father, and, and uh, then there was the all-star break. He didn't play, and Jack Campbell had a stretch. But other than that, Stuart Skinner's been pretty consistent this year. And the thing about Skinner, he's won a championship at the WHL. He won a cha- he won uh, in the AHL. Granted, it wasn't a whole league because it was the COVID year, but he's won at other levels. I think he knows how to win when it matters. And uh, we've seen it. It's rare, but you've seen like Bennington had zero playoff success prior. Um, you know, you go back to other goalies. I, I think Stuart Skinner is not going to have to be the order's best player. They're not going to have to rely on him, but I think he's solid enough to, to beat the Kings. Cause I don't like their offense, especially without Fial and Velarde. Okay. So these two teams are only five points apart in the regular season. If there is one, what is the path for the Kings to win? Well, I think for the Kings to win, they have to get Edmonton back to what Edmonton's Achilles heel was in the first 40 games, Frank, where they kept shooting themselves in the foot with blatant turnovers. Edmonton was the best team in the NHL at beating themselves in the first half of the season. Like they, they would be in control and then, Oh, here's a gift right up the middle a pizza to the other team and ended up in the back of the net. And it happened far too often, to be honest. And they've eliminated that. And so I think if, if LA to win, I think they have to win game one. Cause there's the one thing the Edmonton orders have lost game one in a playoff series, the last five series. And now they did win two of them, but they lost three of those series. They have to, if, if LA is going to win, I think they have to win game one. So outside of, Toronto and maybe the Bruins, given what they accomplished in the regular season, is it fair to say the Oilers are facing the third most internal pressure, like market and and organizationally? You know what? 
That that could be fair. I think the defending champs would be close because you're the defending I don't champ. think so. You won. You took so much heat off. Like, no one expects you to really go back-to-back. If you do, great. But if not, yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't think there's any pressure on the Yeah, then Edmonton, you know what, Frank? If I look at, at Carolina, New Jersey, definitely not. Uh, the Rangers, eh, no, probably not as much as Edmonton because they don't have McDavid and Dreisaitl. So, yeah, I would say Edmonton after after Toronto and, and Boston. And Boston's a different type of pressure, yes. right? Because it's you just had the greatest regular season ever. What How happens you if you up? don't win? Yeah. yeah, so I think that's fair. That's totally fair. So if the Oilers lose game one, that kind of puts them – and the Kings then gain home ice back – that then get, that puts that ratchets up the temperature for the Oilers. Yeah. Now they did come back against Calgary and LA last year, right? So they at least have the they they can pull back uh, on that. And you know, Connor McDavid spoke uh, when I talked to him on the weekend about just learning from the past. And he says, I know people think it's a cliche, but it's very true. Like there's he goes the the Kings series was very up and down. If you remember, the Oilers had a shutout. Then they got shut out six nothing. Then they had a you know like they they were down three to two in the series. Even this the season road. series was up and down. Yeah. And they had to win on the road. And that was the game that Leon Drysaddle got injured and then played on one leg the rest of the playoffs. And here's the other thing that people, when you look, there's a lot of new faces for both teams. But the big one for Edmonton, it's not only Ekholm who's new on the back end. And as much as Duncan Keith had a better career, this stage of their career, Ekholm's a better player than Keith was last year. I think that's fair. Um, but the other big difference that no one remembers is Darnell Nurse was hurt when the playoffs started and basically played with that core injury the entire time. He was playing 20 minutes a night. He was down like four minutes. He was, I wouldn't say a shadow of himself, but he wasn't nearly as good as he could be. He's 100% healthy. So it's really like Nurse and Ekholm to start. That's a big advantage for Edmonton. So I was talking to Tyler about this, and we actually did a hit on this at the All-Star Weekend. We were talking to McDavid and Dreisaitl on the beach in Florida, they had this media veil and it was like, oddly like memorable in McDavid. He doesn't always like put a stake in the ground in his interviews, but he sort of offhand and unprompted mentioned that he thought a loss to the Kings back in January was the turning point of their season. And so the all-star game was only 20 some days after that, but he said that game when they got their doors blown off, if you, you remember, know what it was, Frank? You know what it was? Hold on. I know what it was. They gave up they, – they got smoked at, at um, on special teams. And yeah, well, they gave up four power play goals on like the fir- in the first 25 minutes of the game. But and they was- didn't score a power play goal themselves, which yes. obviously their power play has been not real all season. So, But going back to that game, he said, we figured out in that game how to play even strength. He said something clicked. I don't know what it was. I'd love to ask him a follow-up now and find out what it is. But I went up, you know, just since we started talking about this series, I went back and looked up what the Oilers' record was since January 9th, and they have the best record in the NHL. Yes, since January So McDavid, two weeks – or, sorry, three weeks after that game, called it then and has been correct to this point. They are the number one team in the NHL. Yeah. They've gone 29, 5, and 6. How about this, Frank? Kind of makes you give your head a shake. Like, what did he see? What did he know? This, you know, obviously the, the hockey savant, like, what did he know? Well, here, here's a fun little stat for it, courtesy of Kevin Gibson from uh, TSN, who gave it to me. 
the Oilers, who obviously are one of the most dominant teams ever, right, in the 80s, the 40-game stretch that you just mentioned since January 11th, they went 29-5-6. and six. They had 64 points. That is the second greatest 40-game stretch at any point of any season in franchise history, only by one point. The 1984 Oilers, who won the Cup, when that's, you know, Gretzky and Curry and all those guys, they had 65 points over a 40-game stretch. The Oilers had 64 like they, they have been really good for two and a half, for over three months straight. So the Oilers could do themselves some favors by not playing a lot of OT as well. They led the league this year in the, well, they led the West, I should say, in regulation wins. Yes. And by a very by wide margin shot. in the West. Yeah, so, nine more than Colorado. Yes, that should, I, it's not going to mean something, but the more you can win and do it in regulation in the playoffs, it just takes the stress level down on everyone. Yeah. Also, though, p- should point out, it's still five on five in the playoffs. Right? I Not get it, but uh, just the point being, all your guys just log that many more minutes. Yeah. Try and reduce that stress as much as you can if you want to have a deep run. And that's the other thing to watch for Edmonton. Last year in the playoffs, they really kind of ran with with five forwards, Frank. If you look at the minutes of McDavid and Drysdale, Kane, Nugent Hopkins, like guys like Warren Fogle, they played 11 forwards. Yes, they were playing nine, nine and a half minutes a night. The difference this year for Edmonton is their depth guys, Bugstad, Fogle, uh, Matthias Janmark has been like a coach's dream as far as a reliable player. I, Never makes a turnover. Clean Costin's physical with some speed. Their bottom guys play more. Now, it's the playoffs, and I actually asked Jay Woodcroft about that. Him and I were having a conversation off the mic just about last year. You really relied on the, on your heavier, you know, your best, best guys, and it worked. But if you want to go deeper, I don't think you can play six forwards nine minutes a night, and it, you can't expect them to contribute. They just can't. And if you look at the minutes played, everybody thinks when the orders go 11 and 7 that it's, oh, it's McDavid and Drysaddle. It's not. Their minutes are basically the same. It's their depth guys, forwards 6 to 11, that play an extra two minutes, Ryan McLeod and Fogle. And every player will tell you, Frank, you're more in the game the more you play. I think that's the one underlying issue. For a long time, Edmonton had no depth, and it was a valid criticism, but their depth scoring's really solid now. And if you can use those depth guys more in the playoffs, that's going to allow them to go deeper. Okay, we'll get back to the Oilers in a second. Let's do the last series. Dallas, Minnesota. If you would have asked me two weeks ago, Frank, I, I would have been like, I think this is going to be a great series. I've looked at the numbers since then, and I don't have a lot of faith in the wild right now. I like the Dallas stars in this series. Um, even though I don't love Dallas to, to beat Colorado or Edmonton or anybody else like that, but I think this is a great matchup. Jake Ottinger, he's unreal goaltender, a high skin in on the back end. Um, Jason Robertson has had a breakout season for them. Um, the one guy though, that if you look at Dallas's forward group and obviously you got the ageless wonder and Joe Pavelski and, and um, you know, uh, Jamie Benz had a good bounce back here. Rupe hints, Wyatt Johnson down the stretch, Frank, yep. when normally rookies fade, Wyatt Johnson played 16 and a half minutes in the last quarter of the season. He had 10 goals and 16 points in the final 22 games. He is going, I think that's just a real added depth piece that makes a big difference. So I like Dallas in this series in six. I'm taking the stars in six as well. We agree, not just on team, but also number of games played. Um, I like the wild. I think they're scrappy. I think they're, they've been a very streaky team as well. Uh, they were not very good to start the season. They acquired Ryan Reeves and went on a run. 
they've really hit a skid for a bit uh, on the, you know, around the all-star break. And then they went on an absolute heater, like one regulation loss in 21 games. Like they were incredible. So then they fell back to earth. That's the sort of peaks and valleys that you want to try and avoid. Oddly, their team was better without Kirill Kaprizov um, when he was out of the lineup. Matt Boldy was unreal. Philip Gustafson has been great, but he's not getting the edge. And I don't even know if he's getting the game one start, to be honest, over Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, you're, not, you're not picking either of those goalies over Ottinger anyway. And I just think that the stars are battle-tested. I think their defense is significantly better. I think Miro Haskinen stepped up his game in such a big way this season. He's getting Nars Trophy votes from me. He basically doubled his career-high point total. Um, he was that good. And I, I just think Dallas is – I think Dallas is ultimately going to give Colorado a run for their money. I think that's going to be a Titanic second-round matchup. Titanic. And I think this first one's going to be good because the Stars are better than the Wild, but how much better? Um, well, I see the thing. Like, I love the Wild and, and how they had that run where they were 16-4-1 and one with and Kaprizov got hurt. And they've just, like, they've been a gritty team. So I, it pains me to, to, to not pick them. But I, I kind of think that, you know, in a matchup against Dallas, you know, they just, they're, they're going to run into a, a team that's a bad matchup for them. I, right? Like, it's different in the regular season. You're facing the, the same team every, and I've talked to so many players about it, how it changes so much, right? Like, in the regular season, the coach comes in, and a lot of the times the emphasis is on your team. Okay, guys, this is what we're doing tonight. And you, you have a few things you pick out about opposing teams. But now when you get into a series, the coach comes in, okay, here's what we do. And there's a bullet list of what the other team does. And, and not that you change what you do, but you're much more aware of things. Right. And so when I look at Dallas and I look at their coaching staff, got a pretty good track record of having success in the playoffs. Yeah, I get it. I, I just think the wild ask a lot from players that on other teams would be further down the lineup. Yeah, that's fair too. Like Freddie Gaudreau had a great year and I like him as a player and signed a massive contract extension five times 2.1 this week. But he's a third-line player on most teams. And maybe, you know, with, um, you know, wherever the Wild are heading next at 2.1 million, he is going to be a third-line player. But they're asking him to do more than that now. And Connor Dewar, and go down the list. Like, they're just, they ask a lot from guys that I think are going to be overwhelmed, but then they've also gotten some really good contribution. Like look at what Marcus Johansson's done for that team since the trade deadline, 18 points in 20 games. Like they're a good team and they're going to be a tough out. I just like the Dallas stars more. That's fair. So we, we actually, we last uh, pod, well, we only agreed on Boston and Florida and the other uh, three, we were opposite, but uh, today uh, we're four for four. We both have uh, Vegas, Colorado, Edmonton, and Dallas. So, uh, so none of the road teams uh, winning in uh, the Western Conference. We'll see if that comes to fruition. So let's bring in Tyler. I want to get his picks. He gave us his picks in last pod on the East. Mm-hmm. See uh, what he what he likes in the West. And then after that, before we get to Tyler's questions, I want to go through and each we got to get it on record. Who are we picking to win the cup? 
And who is your Con Smythe winner? Giddy up. All right. Well, here's what I'm doing. It's buy or sell. So I have my four picks here, and I kind of have a buy or sell question that goes along with each of them here as we uh, work through them. So I'll start with this one. I got the Avs sweeping the Seattle Kraken. Nate Dogg's red hot. He is scoring a lot. Had a hat trick towards the end of the year there. Their goaltending is just way better. There's, they're better in every metric, even if they're not fully healthy. So I like the Avs to sweep. I also have Dallas winning, but I have that series going seven. I think it's just going to be a little bit tighter. But here's your buy or sell question. The Avs don't make it past round two. Frank, you buying or selling on that? I got to know the health of everyone. Mm. Like if Kale McCarr is at 80%, I think the Stars might win that series. There you go, Jason. You buying or selling? Avs not making it out of round two. I am uh, selling. I have the abs in the uh, conference final again. Uh, I, I agree that the, uh, the health of Makar is a major factor, no question, but I, I think Makar is going to play. So uh, I will have the abs uh, getting out of their division. All right. Over to the Pacific Division side of the Western Conference bracket. I will say the Edmonton Oilers win, but it'll be in six games. I think that Kings team is going to be just a little bit scrappy. That will also mean a weird scheduling quirk. There'll be three days off between games five and six, which feels very, very weird to say. I'm saying Edmonton in six. Their power play last year in this series was almost at 37%. Crazy. Your buy or sell question. Connor McDavid was averaging, or he averaged two points a game in this playoff series last year against the Kings. I'm going to say he does it again. Jason, you buying or selling on McDavid, two points per game in this series. That's funny. I saw a lot of people talking about, you know, Connor McDavid elevated his game in the regular season. I look forward to elevating the playoffs. And I'm like, he elevated it last year in the playoffs when he was 2.09 points per game. Like, how much higher can he get, for God's sakes? Like, um, two points per game in the series. God, it's hard to count on McDavid, but... Um, like he can finish at 1.9 and still have a great series. Yep. So uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sell and say under, I'm going to buy. I think he, whatever it was like last season was great, but then he did elevate to the playoffs last year. So this season has been next level. I think he takes it that much further next this, this playoffs. And for the last series here, I do, I'm going against you guys. I'm taking the Winnipeg Jets to win this series, and I'm taking the Winnipeg Jets to win this series in six games. I think it's going to be the Connor Hellebuck show. I actually don't mind their forward depth at all. I think it's a lot of guys who can just be pains in the asses when it comes to a playoff series like this. I I like the Jets in this one. I'm going with Winnipeg in six. Here's your buy or sell question, though, because you guys both have the Golden Knights winning. Vegas, win or lose, will start two different goalies in this series. Frank, you buying or selling? I was going to say, I would buy. I think the, well, it's probably, the over-under probably is one and a half, but I wouldn't be shocked if they started three. Woo. Jay? I'm going to sell. Lauren Brassois, when he's played this year, has been dynamic. He's been the best goalie. So why take him out? I wouldn't like, I'm not going to Jonathan quick. No offense. I don't care what his track record is in the past. Jonathan quick is not the guy who won cups in 2012 and 2014. That's the, I'm I'm not doing it. Hear me out. What if they just handled it like a pitching rotation? Just like, all right, we're going, we're going LB game one. We're going Thompson game two, quick three Hill four. And you know, we might bring a guy out just for the third in one of the games too. Uh, they set an NHL record this year, four straight wins with four different goalies. Like, yeah. it's never happened before in the history of the game, 110 years. 
But a lot of that was due to injury, right? Yeah. But how do you know they're not going to be injured again? I covered a playoff series, Flyers-Sabres in 2010, or no, it was 2011, excuse me, that uh, the Flyers used three different starting goalies in a seven-game series. Wow. Yeah. And that was not due to injury. That was just due to Peter Laviolette hating goalies. Well, I, I think if they get into that much of goalie trouble, then I could see the Jets winning the series. Yeah. Uh, a follow-up to that, Frank, you were the one who bought on that one. I also was going to say they won't be the only team to start at least two goalies in the first round. Just in the West alone, I had many L.A., Seattle, all his candidates do that. You buying more than just the Golden Knights will start multiples? Yeah, I would set the over-under on that at two and a half for the West. Jay, one of those teams jump well, out to you? Yeah. yeah, well, Minnesota for sure. I, I think because they're going to find themselves down in the series, so I think they might look to to change it. Um, but what about the East? Well, the East and the Florida Panthers for sure. I think. Are, yeah, I was going to say they they probably start Lion Game One, right? That's probably yeah. it, though, right? Carolina. I don't yeah. see like the Rangers, obviously not. Um, I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes always. You can like set your watch to a goalie injury. So, well, what about Boston? What about Allmark's injury? Right? They, him and Swayman have played a. They've switched a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't year. bet on it though. Yeah, I could see him them playing both. Just saying, oh, maybe Allmark's a little rested. We're up two nothing. We can go to Swayman and be up three nothing. Like it's not like it's a oh, massive drop. Right? The old rest. We're gonna rest him. It's so cheesy. All right. Yeah, bet go. on that. So I got, yeah, just to recap, Edmonton in six, Winnipeg in six, Dallas in seven, and Colorado in four. So we, we're going to do like full bracket style now? No, I, I don't think we no, work no. our way through. We just say who you, who's who's winning the cup and who's your consmice. All right. Who's Can I first? go first? Sure. Because you guys are both from there. I'm picking the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup and Connor McDavid as Conn Smythe winner. I just, I can't get it out of my head. I know this is not the NBA. I know that you can't just say one player is going to carry a team to a championship. And I know that that doesn't happen in the NHL. I just don't think that there's been anyone like him in so long. And the team around him is better right now than it's ever has been since he got there. That I think they, they go all the way. Well, I, I have the orders, Colorado, the Rangers, and Boston in my conference final, and I have Boston and Edmonton in the cup. And for the third time when they meet, Edmonton wins like they did in 88 and 90. So I uh, – um, the Edmonton Tyler, Oilers, Tyler, you wiener, what are you going to do, Edmonton guy, Oilers Nation guy? Like, here's the thing. The the, the reason – and I've never picked the orders, so I want to make that abundantly clear. Um, and I've seen crap teams for a long time. This is the best team Edmonton's had in 33 years. They're the deepest by a mile. And the other thing is, Frank, you, you put out the numbers. It's not just McDavid, right? Like, they've got the second best forward and one of the best players in the game. Um, Ekholm has really solidified their defense score. Darnell Nurse can play minutes all you want. They basically had four 100-point scorers this season. Yes. Yeah, and then, like, the, Evander Kane, who battled injuries, is a legit... Like, they got five legit top six forwards. Kane had 13 goals in 15 playoff games last year. Yeah, he, he has a chance to actually be the... To, to score the most goals in the first uh, 20 games of a playoff session with a team. In NHL history, in fact. Wow. So, um, if he can score one in his, in his next game. So. Is Tyler picking the Oilers? So, at the beginning of the year, my pick was Oilers-Rangers in the cup final, and I had the Rangers beating the Oilers. So I'm going to stand by 
my preseason prediction and try to go wire to wire with this thing. I Rangers got beating the Oilers? Rangers beating the Oilers. Thank God we didn't have three people pick the same cup. Well, you guys kind of screwed me a little bit. Even if I had the Oilers, for the sake of this podcast, I couldn't have picked them. Uh, oh, my God. But no, I got the we Rangers. Did, just so everyone knows, we didn't tell each other what we picked no. before we went into this. So. Um, so I'm going Rangers to win, but my Conn Smythe winner is Connor McDavid still. So, hey, by, by the you way, want to know Frank, something about my Consmith ballot, which was wacky? I considered giving Connor McDavid the third place vote last year, and his team only won half of the games required. That's how good he was in the playoffs last year. Yeah, don't don't sleep on Leon Drysaddle. Leon Drysaddle's playoff history he actually has more points per game than Connor McDavid. Leon I, could, I could see him winning the Consmith. I just good. there's yeah. something about this year, this Oilers team. I just. I don't think Connor McDavid's going to be denied. And that's my overarching. Like, I feel stronger about that than anything that I feel prediction wise. He's a man um, on a mission. I, I do want to ask you, Frank, speaking of uh, preseason predictions, there, there is something that has to happen before the playoffs. Now, I haven't missed it. Have I? But I think this no, needs to occur, you haven't Frank, missed it, it will, before it the playoffs occur. begin. So I think we're, we, we talked about this on Oilers Nation every day a couple weeks ago. Um, Tyler is going to Los Angeles for games three and four, and I think he needs to eat the cat food live on air then. During the series? Yes. <laughs> Sign me up. Or or we could do it on Daily Faceoff Live. Either way, it's happening. Oh, yeah, it's happening. And the best yeah. part about the whole thing is that he Look totally at Tyler's did this face. Oh, my God. Like, of all the bets you've made – that's got to be the one that you're regretting the most. But no one put him. No one put a gun to his head. He totally was like, "I will eat cat food if the Boston Bruins win their division." <laughs> I mean, he, he just, are... no one, no one was like, "Hey, you should say that." Yeah. <laughs> when it happens, it'll be on Oilers Nation every day because those are uh, the listeners that I or that picked oh, up on God. the on He's the so thing funny. on the comment. So. Uh, yeah, no, it'll happen here at some point. What are you point. eating? Like, have you looked up? Like, is it Prina Chow? Like, what's the what's the cat food? Of, like, what's the best cat food? Yeah, well, like, again, there's a lot of people who seem to be, like, jumping on this and trying to make it their own thing. Um, this was between me and, and the viewers of Owen every day. So I think it's a bite of cat food. And uh, I think I get to pick my flavor, too, since I made my yeah, bed. Yeah. But do you uh, have to you... swallow? Yeah, I'll swallow a bite of cat food. Have you? <laughs> oh my like, god! I want to barf. Well, Frank, about I'm not it. just gonna what swish it around in my mouth. And spit it <laughs> no, out. but like you, you might be projectiling it after. No, oh no! no it won't be like, hey, you know what? Got to do what you got to do. But yep. um, is it good be, for you? Is it gonna be wet? Good yeah, oh, yeah, it's gonna be the wet, wet cat food. I'll pick, <laughs> I'll pick a decent flavor, and it won't be too too bad. How many flavors are there? It's cat food. Oh man, I had a cat that. There's a lot. You had a you, cat? Oh my god! Yeah. I think differently go, about you now. I'll oh. go with something that's like shredded chicken and gravy, and oh. we'll get through it. <laughs> Just think about like it sat warm for a while, and it's shredded chicken that was like in goo that preserved. It's all it. good. It's not rotten. It's fine. It's fine. They they I've never cannot seen a cat. in Canada like the health regulations. You cannot have pet food that is not safe for human consumption. So I'm fine. Yeah. No one said it wouldn't be safe. We just said it wouldn't taste good. And, oh, yeah, and I know. the thought of it, it's hey, going to be You might want to do it, though, before you go to the States because you're yeah. probably, unless you're traveling with the cat food, that's not ideal. And you don't want to buy American cat food that you've never tried before. Yeah, no, that is good. I'll, uh, I'll, oh, I'll do something God. here in the next couple of days, I guess. Oh, oh, well, we look forward to that, yeah, Ty. Thanks, guys. Good sport. Good sport. So. 
Self-inflicted wound. Oh, that's, that's the best that's, part that's about it. The greatest part about it. I, like no one can feel guilty about saying, geez, I made the guy bet this. Yeah. So that's what's good about it. But good sport for Ty to fall through. Some people, like there's the worst people in the world are those who welch on bets. And Ty didn't welch on his bet. So I give him credit. Yet. Yet. Oh, no, he will. He doesn't want to be a welcher. Like, there's certain characteristics in life you don't is want to Is it welch or name. squelch? I think it's a welch, isn't it? I think you squelch on your bet. S-Q-U-E-L. Oh, you could be right. I thought it was welch on your bet. Welch. I gotta look that up. Yeah, welch on a bet. Yeah, welch. Yeah. There we go. Welsh. There we go. W E L C H. What did the people from Wales do to you? Yeah. God. I don't know, man. Clearly they welched on a few bets. <laughs> so yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's actually Welch. Yeah. According to the dictionary. C H. Welch. There you go. Don't Welch. Don't be a Welcher. Okay. Well, uh, let the uh, the playoffs begin on Monday. Have a lot of fun, and uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, Frank and I, are we've really only picked, I think, uh, well, technically two upsets. Uh, Frank has Tampa Bay as an upset because they're a road team. I have, well, I guess I have the Islanders and the Rangers, so combined three. But the Rangers, I'm not sure that's much of an upset. I don't, I, honestly, a team that's gone to three straight Stanley Cup finals, I don't know how much that much is an upset. But no, but they're on the road, I guess, right? So if oh, They were on the road last year, and they stole. But even if you look at all the betting odds, Toronto's the favorite. Of course, they were the favorite last year. No, yeah. so and it's an upset. All right. <laughs> yeah, so I get that it's maybe not uh, like a shocking upset, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Florida Panthers or Winnipeg, I think would be the p- two biggest upsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Frank, have a good one, my man. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.